Okay, move out. You're listening to the Valor Podcast with Nick Lehman, a show highlighting the people who defend the United States of America and those who support them. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello and welcome to the Valor Podcast. This podcast, we're going to talk about how a picture of a special forces soldier in Thailand started a movement. More on that in a minute. First, I want to thank our show sponsor, Booyah Media. They helped us with our website and online support. You can see their work at booyahmedia.com. That's booyahmedia.com. Our guest is former U.S. Army Special Forces and Ranger Officer. He is the founder of the Free Burma Ranger Rangers, a humanitarian service movement for oppressed ethnic minorities of all races in Burma, Kurdistan, and, Su- and Sudan war zones. David Eubank, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the Valor Podcast. Thanks. This is Dave Eubank, and it's a privilege to be on it myself. I'm glad I could pray with you before we started, and my hope is that all who listen realize how much God loves them and has something for them to do. Yeah, you know, I kind of teased it in the, in, the, in the beginning of the show, start the, the Free Ranger Burma Project. Well, I was a U.S. Army Ranger before and then Special Forces Officer, so that's the name came from there. But I got out of the military and was in Fuller Seminary and received a message from my father, in, who's a missionary in Thailand, saying that tribal people from Burma had come over asking for help and looked up at a picture of me in a green beret, which is Special Forces uniform, and they know what that is, and said, we are warrior people. We need a warrior, but we need someone who follows Jesus. Who's that guy? My dad said, that's my son. Send him. And so my wife and I were married in <laughs> Malibu, California, and came to Thailand, and then were helped in the back door into the ethnic areas of Burma. You know, Burma's now almost 70 years of civil war as the dictators and army of Burma attacks the ethnic minorities. And the Wa tribe that invited us were one of the minorities. And that's how we started. And we looked around and we saw the, the death, the destruction, the oppression, and prayed, God, what could we do? And... Ethnic people started to join us, and eventually it became the Free Burma Rangers. And our job is to give help that's medical, physical, blankets, clothes, food, anything that people need when they've run from their homes or been shot by an army, to get the word out, to let people know what's happening. That's all part of help. Hope is reminding people they're not forgotten, and also that God has not forgotten them. And love, sometimes we have nothing left to give. We've given all our medicine away. We love you. We're going to stand with you. We will not run away with you, from you. We have a rule in the Free Burma Rangers. Actually, anybody can join us. doesn't matter if you're male or female, um, what religion you're at, what age you are. There's, but there are three rules. One is you have to be able to read and write because you can't do good medicine or write reports if you're illiterate. And second is you have to do this for love because we don't pay the teams. They're all volunteers. And third is you cannot run if the people cannot run away. So we go into conflict areas to help people who are under attack. In Burma, we've been doing this the last 24 years and the last three years in Kurdistan, Iraq, and Syria. That's amazing. And, and you know, the, the funny thing that people think when you say, I'm a Christian or you profess that, is the, the stereotype of Ned Flanders. You know, the Simpsons character, he's like, Oakley, Oakley. And, uh, but, I mean... 
you're in it. You're like in war zones. You're in like uh, civil unrest. You're in, you know, the the Clampets, not the Clampets, <laughs> but the uh, uh, Hatfield and McCoys that, you know, in particular regions where people just hate each other because of their their tribal affiliation. Right. right. And how how much more of a warrior of God is that than being in there? I mean, that that just that's astounding to me. Well, I think God calls us to different things and different roles. We all have different roles. And even with even though God may call us into a role that we use our talents and our skills and our desires, he often, in the middle of that, also has us doing stuff we absolutely do not want to do. So, for example, we're asked sometimes to go and, well, to speak in, in America. I love America. I love the people of America. I love the church of America. But I don't love to speak because I want to be out doing it rather than talking about it. I feel like I'm abandoning the people that I love. But I feel God has asked me to speak, um, to, to say what he's done. And also I'm grateful for people who actually want me to speak. I'm not even a very good speaker. And they say, go up there and tell us what happened, Dave. And so I want to thank um, my country and all those that say, please come and speak. Because that is, I know, one of the jobs of the Free Bremer Rangers is to say what's happened. But what you alluded to uh, in terms of combat and war, that's our little place in God's kingdom. You know, the, God's kingdom encompasses lots of things, and war comes at it. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It means the church is going forward. But whether you go forward or backwards, you're going to get attacked. Evil has its idea. And there's a saying, he wasn't interested in war, but war was interested in him. So it means that evil's going to come, and you really only have two choices. You're going to join it actively, join evil, or you're going to passively join it. You just let it happen. Or the other choice is you're going to join God's kingdom and every day clean yourself out, ask forgiveness because none of us are holy, and follow the Lord. And in the following of the Lord, the Freedom Rangers and myself and my family are in war zones. We're in places where people are under attack. As a kid who grew up hunting since I was five and wanting to be a soldier from about the same age, and then being a soldier all the way up to now, it's natural for me. And I like being in action. I don't like seeing people killed. I don't like what I'm about to be killed. It's not fun anymore. But maybe it's like a firefighter. You like going out there to fight fires. You don't like getting burned. You don't like seeing people getting burned. You get really scared when things get out of control. You're like, man, why did I ever come? But you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I try to hold it up and say, God, let me do it your way, not my way. And so we go into action, not for the thrill of it, not for um, fame or not for bloodlust. We go into action because Jesus said these words, greater love hath no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. So when we see our friends, whether we know them or not, they're going to be our friends, being killed or about to be killed, we want to help. We want to help them get out of there. We want to help stop the people who are attacking them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, I've I've followed your your nonprofit since uh, you know, we met one of your friends Chris Sinclair and and uh you know, I've always been uh, you know, the cheerleader on the side. Ooh, they're doing good things, but I mean, you got you you all of a sudden got thrown into the the spotlight on a Tuesday morning here in the United States. Everybody was sharing the video of you carrying that girl from the you know, the sniper that was pinning pinning you guys down. I mean, that I mean that's the the admiral work you're doing, and it, it so happened that was being recorded at that moment. I mean you've done thousands and thousands of other things that we've never seen, but God, 
and uh but you know what has that what was that like you know that you saw the impact back here in the states and all around the you know world that you were able to show good and evil like it was total black and white you were the good guy saving that girl mm -hmm. well that was in mosul on june the 2nd and we'd been in mosul for about eight months helping the iraqi army mostly medically and my family and kids are with me. They're just right behind me at the Kashi collection point, which is 500 meters or 1,000 yards behind um, the actual fighting line. And my, the role of my family is to give comfort and love and, and relief supplies, food and water, to displace people as they flee. And the role of myself and my medics from Burma and some foreign volunteers is to go be with the Iraqi army at the very front. If they get to one, to pray with them and, and, and say, we're with you. Second, if they get shot, to treat them and medevac them back. So all along this battle in Mosul, we'd seen ISIS kill women and children all along. But on June the 1st, we saw a marked increase. And in that day, in about one hour time frame, we saw about 30 people shot by, the, by ISIS. And then it grew throughout to 40 to 50 that day. And the, the, some that escaped came running, screaming across this main, big highway. It's by the first bridge the northern bridge of Mosul is blown up. But on the west bank of the first bridge, nor northern bridge of Mosul, there's a hospital complex. ISIS controls it. And a lot of Chechens, too. Chechen Russian Muslims that are part of ISIS. And they were slaughtering anybody crossing this highway. And we tried to take care of those we could. Some died in our arms. I remember a nine-year-old girl just bled to death. We couldn't save her. It was horrible having a father come up to me crying and screaming, saying, they've killed my daughters, they killed my daughters. And I cried with them. Uh, my own daughter was driving in an ambulance right then, vehicles back and forth, because uh, someone said, why are you driving an ambulance? I said, well, I can drive a stick, and <laughs> not everybody could out here. <laughs> so anyway, she drives an armored ambulance, not into the shooting, but when we pull people out of the shooting, she helps evacuate them. And as more people were being killed, we followed the blood trail, so to speak, back to this main highway, and the Iraqi soldiers were there fighting ISIS. But, but you could look down the expanse of the highway and you see dead civilians everywhere. And anybody, any civilian trying to make a break for, from ISIS-controlled territory would be shot. And there were over 200 ISIS soldiers in that area. So they had sniper rifles, rifles, um, RPGs. light machine guns, heavy machine guns, RPGs, mortars, anti-tank systems, ZSU-23 anti-aircraft guns in ground mode. I mean, just lots of firepower. Any armored vehicle that tried to cross the road was blown up. And then people, of course, died. I saw guys slumped over in wheelchairs. You know, families trying to push them across in wheelchair, cripples, and shot dead in the wheelchair. And the people pushing them shot dead. I saw the two little girls I was just told about shot dead. Because he, he described them, what they looked like, and where they'd been shot, right in the head. Their faces are blown out. I saw them right in front of me. So, and when, you know, why didn't he rescue them? They were already dead, and he was trying to carry his other kid out. So, then we prayed, what could we do? This June the 2nd, we prayed and prayed, and... It seemed it took most of the day to pray and think of how we're going to get to help some survivors. Because you saw, I saw about 70 dead. There's over 150 people killed in that little block area. But I could see from, from that area about 70 dead. And I, but we also saw living among the dead, hiding among the dead bodies. A little girl hiding under her dead mother's hijab. And, oh man, we got to save her. How are we going to do it? You take one, you can even stick your head out the window. Did she? So, we prayed, and I, 
um, talk with the American military, who are my friends, that's my background, and talk with the Iraqis, and the Iraqis coordinate with the Americans, and the Americans dropped smoke, and the Iraqis gave us one tank on Abrams. And we ran behind that tank with some of the, our volunteers. Um, kind of outside was a, a guy named Ilya, my chief medic, and Toe, another medic, and Zhao Sang, one of our film guys, and Dolo, our translator, and then running behind the tank was a, a volunteer named Ephraim, another volunteer named Sky, Monkey, my videographer who goes everywhere with me. He's also my pastor. He's, he filmed that. And also Mohammed, who is a Syrian refugee acting as a translator. We ran behind this, this Iraqi tank, and ISIS just hammered us. Because they had many shooters trying to stop us. But the American smoke was so thick, they couldn't see us. And I remember we got to the edge of the tank and looked out at the girl and uh, two men that were alive and thought, oh, man, I'm going to die doing this. You know, I've been shot at a lot. I was, I, before this, I was shot in the arm a month earlier. I had a guy next to me shot five times. I've been in many, many shootings. I've had ISIS shoot at me a lot. I've had to run across open ground to save somebody. But I always felt I had a chance. But this, there were so much, so many bullets and so many ISIS shooting in such a kill zone. I thought, I'm just going to die. And I, and I said, Lord, what should I do? And I thought, well, you know, if I die trying to save this little girl, my wife and kids will understand. It wasn't bravado. It wasn't um, just throwing my life away. It was really for the right reason. Yeah, you're, you're giving that, that girl hope. Yeah. And so I just said, in Jesus' name, help. Help, Jesus. <laughs> and I ran. And um, Forced Gump, I was running. <laughs> yeah, the tank was shooting, and our guys were shooting, and um, got the girl, got her back, realized there's two more guys, went back with the help of our team, got them out, lost one guy on the way back. One of my team members, Ephraim, was shot in the leg. And I was able to continue running. And the tank kept providing fire. And we had the little girl. And I remember praying, Lord, help me get this little girl out. And we got out. Humvee came out and picked us up once we were about 150 yards down the road. And my daughter jumped in the Humvee to help with the little girl. And we drove to the casualty collection point. I called my wife. I said, honey, be ready at the casualty collection point because I got a little girl. She's not injured. She's the only one not injured. Everybody else was shot. But she's in shock. So after we medically checked her out and gave her a lot of water, she fell asleep in my wife's arms. And the Iraqi general that we work with, General Mustafa, he took a special interest in her. And right now, it actually looks like we found maybe the aunt, her, one of her aunt's relatives that will adopt her. But what struck me a lot was during that whole rescue was, one, the bravery of the Iraqi army, sacrificing their tank, the tank crew up there, the Americans dropping smoke, our team performing as they did, the... Iraqi general taking such care of this little girl and most of all God how God answers prayer and intervenes and helps us when we're too afraid to do what we should do I know I was afraid and but God helped me and I think I want to thank all those who prayed I'm back in America I'm here in New Mexico beautiful I went for a run this morning and I thought wow I felt asked my wife last night what do I do to deserve all my good friends these people are so awesome what can I do for them one thing I know I can do is pray for them and also thank them. Thanks for praying for us. Thanks for being there with us because in spirit you were. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was incredible to see the reach that that video did. It, you know, it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it hit back here in the States to just see it. Everybody really seeing good versus evil and then, you know, that good won that day. You know what I'm saying? Good won that day. 
at, at a you know a great cost. The day before, evil one slaughtered people, but a little bit of good was alive. A little girl was alive. Another man was alive. Another couple of people were alive. We didn't rescue everybody. We rescued all we could see. But then we found out the next day there were five people hiding behind in the rubble. We had to go get them. I was like, oh man, how are we gonna do that? Now to do that rescue, no tank, no smoke, inside ISIS controlled buildings. And again, I could have attributed to the bravery of the Iraqi army, the soldiers that went with us and led us to this rescue site and God's help and the power of Jesus, um, not only to save us, but to block Satan and his demons and ISIS so we could rescue five more people the next day. And so that was another day, good one. And, you know, you can point to, well, thousands more died. I, I, they did. And I'm really sorry. I don't know what to do about it, except come and help more. Come more people help. And with God's help, we can defeat evil. But, you know, the thing, first thing I noticed in defeating evil is in my own heart. When I first got to Iraq, I asked God how to pray. He gave me three prayers. One, ISIS would be stopped. Two, that people would be free, the Kurds and others. Three, that the hearts of all enemies would change the love in Jesus' name. And after about three months of praying that, I realized that prayer was being answered. My own heart was changing. I was thinking of other people's hearts. My heart had to change first, to first love the Iraqis. And then later on, Jesus relieved me of hate for ISIS. I had a, I had a one day where they'd kill this kid right next to me. They'd kill lots of people, but something, something just snapped when they killed this kid. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to hunt him down every chance I get. And I read from the Bible the next morning, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And I said, oh, forgive me, God. I was, I was, that wasn't justice. That was vengeance. And he just lifted it away from me. And I don't hate ISIS. And they've killed more of my friends. Since then, they shot me. They shot many kids. I don't hate them. I'll fight them if God puts me in that situation. And I'll stand against them. But I pray for them to change because they can change. Satan wants us to think that no one can change once they've done so many terrible things. It's not true. Now, again, you may have to shoot somebody, but you don't need to hate anybody. Yeah, that I mean that's uh, it goes across the board. I mean, it, it, if you really get to the root of it, it, you know, it's this this spiritual thing of good and evil. You know, it was in their hearts. It wasn't or minds or whatever the the evil thing was in their head to to commit that act. It wasn't, you know, something fell off the hay, the the mm -hmm. the uh, trajectory that made them mm -hmm. go that way. And how, how do you think, you know, you've seen all different kinds of conflicts across the the world. You know, I know war seems to always pop up and and it goes and ebbs and flows, but how do you how do you think that uh, people can be safe and not be oppressed? Well, we all want to be safe. We all want to live in peace and joy. Those are fruits of 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 actions though. What are what are actions? Our actions can't be dictated by safety or ourselves. If they are, we're not going to get neither. And so I, th I think, how do we have a better world? Wake up in the morning, ask God for forgiveness, and ask him, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? And obey him. And if we each, God has a solution for each of us in our different walks of life. You with um, broadcasting, me as a relief worker, someone else as a police officer, someone as the president of the United States, lawyers, teachers, doctors, um, people who collect trash, we all have important jobs to do that if, and some of them, that it's any given time, we'll have a part of our job we can't understand how to do. It's too complicated. There's too many issues. There's too many dilemmas. 
But if we say, God, I'll surrender to you and do anything you want, God will give us an answer for each of our roles. And it'll be God's answer, whether you're president of the United States or you're driving a taxi here in Albuquerque. Both are important. Both have sometimes very difficult situations we face. There was a taxi driver killed last night here. And it's, there's a lot of other difficulties. So we ask God, what, what do we do? He gives us the answer. And when we have that answer, it'll be a different answer for you than for me. We have different roles, but there'll be harmony in our work because it's all part of God's answer. And then as you do that, you're going to face evil. You're going to have to take risk. You're going to face danger. You might get hurt. You might get killed. But it's all going to be, there's going to be a goodness to it. And then from that, you'll get peace. From that, you'll get safety. Yeah, and, and going back to your to your uh, humanitarian work, I mean, you, you you talked about all the team that you have. I mean, how, what is it like to assemble a team, you know, from that country and say, hey, you know, I we're going to go save people today. I mean, that that has to be, I mean, not the bravado movie type speech where, you know, all the troops are around and, you know, you're doing the, the you know, roll call kind of thing. But, I mean, that that has to be pretty inspiring to look in the in in these guys eyes and say you know what we're gonna do something today yeah pretty scary pretty committing someone some journalist asked me so you guys specialize in rescues i said no way man you don't want to do a real rescue because you're probably gonna die you know if you're rescuing someone off a cliff they fall that's dangerous you got to figure your ropes out and all these things it's not easy but the cliff is not trying to actively kill you it's just there you trying to rescue someone who's pinned down by the enemy there's a reason they're gonna kill you too and are they going to try to? So I think it's there doesn't feel like a lot of bravado. It feels like a lot of fear and trying to find reasons why you don't want to do it or don't have to. So our teams, though, that come from Burma, they've been in war their, their whole lives. They understand it. And some people say, why? You know, but war's not over in Burma. The oppression still exists in Burma. So people say, why did you come all the way from Burma to Iraq to help? Well, one, we have a lot of teams in Burma that can do the job. But second... My team members from Burma, they're Karen and Sean and Karini and Kachin tribesmen and others, they'll say, well, God called us just like he calls you. We're not bound by our country and, and, and our race. And people have helped us in Burma all our lives. We, we want to give back. And if someone needs help and we can help, we'll help. If we can't, we won't. But we can help. We have a way. And people have helped us come to Iraq, so we'll go and we'll try to help others. And we feel it's our duty. And when we're afraid, we'll ask God for love and go in the power of that love. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and so all walks of life from Burma have gone to, to Syria and yeah. Iraq and Kurdistan and all that? Yeah. That, oh, that's, that's crazy. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, they're yeah, 10, 10 pounds of betel nut so they can chew it and think they're still back home. But they're humble, um, God-following, brave, competent people. They're amazing medics. They're like ER docs out in the, out in the jungle of the desert. They're really good and they save lives. And how do they get that training? Did you provide that or did you? Did well, we run a one-year medical school and we have um, Freeburn Ranger training that lasts about three months for new team members. Some of them have, are brand new and, and we trained them all. Others have been trained and already before they ever joined us. But most of them now are the people that we train. Uh, that's, that's awesome because uh, I joke with my wife if we're ever somewhere and something you know catastrophic happens, I, I, my my prayer is that there's a combat medic 
like with an arm's reach of me that was a former combat medic or you know it was one that could take care of whatever the ailment is because i mean that you have a combat medic it, you're you're per, you have a good chance of survival you do um as long as it's not too bad to you know stop bleeding to restore breathing to help stabilize and carry you out of there and along with those skills which are life-saving and important i think is prayer god help and I believe that sometimes God heals directly. Sometimes he just, usually for me, he just guides us how, how to deal with this. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what, to, how does, how does your nonprofit, how does it go? How do you, you know, I know people contribute and things like that, but, uh, you know, how, how can people help? Well, we're the free Burma Rangers and we have a website. You can look at that and you can donate through the website. Pray first, make sure you're supposed to help us. Maybe you're supposed to help someone else. And we, in the United States, we're under, under a charitable foundation, a 5013C, registered in Colorado. It's called Free the Oppressed. So Free Burma Rangers is our operational entity that works in Burma, in Syria, in Iraq, in Kurdistan, in Sudan. But we operate under a Christian foundation back here in the United States called Free the Oppressed. And I'm the um, CEO of that, and I have a lot of good friends on the board. And so you can donate to that, or you can donate through our website. It'll all go to the same place. And what what kind of things uh, does that money do to support? I mean, I, I know there's supplies, there's medical supplies, there's travel, there's all time. You know, what is, is that pretty accurate of what it yeah, supports? Yeah, most of the money goes into relief. That's medicine, food, water for displaced people in any country we're working in. Some of it goes to transport. You know, in Burma, we walk everywhere. We have horses and mules, so someone would buy horses and mules or buy their feed. Um, horsepower. Yeah, yeah, we have real <laughs> horsepower. And one horsepower per horse. And that's actually pretty inexpensive because everything's on our back. We walk for one, two, three, sometimes five months at a time just carrying stuff. But in, in the desert, in the Middle East, everything's mechanized. So then you've got to rent or buy vehicles. you got to put gas in them. So on a, a, relief, a relief mission in Burma, most of the funds would go directly into relief. But in Syria or Iraq, most of the funds would still be into relief, but you're going to have to use more money than before for, for transportation, gas, and vehicles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, if you look at a, a rock map, I mean, nothing's close. I mean, it's hours away or yeah. Yeah. three it's, hours it's away. A, it's a big country and a lot of desert in between. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, a lot of sand. Not a lot of streams. A lot of sand. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, a little fun fact, Mesopotamia it was in there, right? Yes, that's Mesopotamia. That's, um, you know, Nineveh um, that Jonah went to, that's another name for Mosul. So ISIS headquarters in Iraq was in Mosul, and that's Nineveh. That's where Jonah went years ago. And it's in the Nineveh Plain, which is just now liberated. So, yeah, it's, it's Nahum. So Jonah's buried in, in Nineveh, in Mosul. Nahum is buried a few towns down. And somewhere around in, the, in Iraq was um, Daniel in the lion's den. And a lot of our Bible comes from that area. Yeah, definitely. Tigris River, the Euphrates River. Exactly. And, and in the Garden of Eden, one of the four rivers was the Euphrates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I had... I was interviewing a soldier one time. He was a National Guard soldier. He carried his Bible in his cargo pants. And I was like, you know, what, what's that? He's like, well, it's, you know, 
we have a lot of downtime, so I get time to read. But I'm really looking forward to going to in country and getting to see where the Bible, where the story was told. And I was like, oh wow, that's a that's a cool thing. And so, you know, I lost contact with him, but he through the emails when he was deployed, it was pretty cool to hear him update about it. And so, you know, kind of to tie this all up, uh, will we as a, you know, not as a, you know, United States, but as a as a whole world entity, defeat ISIS and change their hearts. Is that and how how? Well, ISIS is being defeated steadily. They've lost Mosul. They still have Hawija south of Mosul and Telafar west of Mosul and other pockets out in the desert. But they'll be defeated militarily. The the force arrayed against them and the will arrayed against them by the Iraqis and their and the coalition, which is led by the United States, is too great. That's, they're going to lose. Second, morally, they're wrong. They're going to lose. So I think militarily they'll be defeated. But there's still Syria. And within Iraq, and even in this country, there's ISIS or ISIS sympathizers that want to, to wreck destruction. And I think we have to be vigilant for those and find them and um, stop them. That's one side of it. That's the enforcement and um, force side, which I think is necessary. However, that doesn't end everything. I think only when hearts change. And only, I believe, Jesus changes hearts. And he changes it through love. And he gives people an opportunity. So my prayer is that we pray for our enemies. And also, in Iraq, for example, the, most of ISIS are from the, the Sunni group. And when I watched the way the Iraqi soldiers treated Sunni family members who were working for ISIS, now they're fleeing, the Iraqi army, who's mostly Shia, treated them with respect and dignity and really cared for them. And I asked the Iraqis, wow, you're showing a lot of concern for these um, people that are your enemies, the families are your enemies. They said, we have to. Allah tells us to be merciful. And second, if we don't take care of these people, we're going to fight forever. So how do we defeat ISIS? I think, one, um, militarily, we go after them with all our might, all we can do. Take some of the limits off of the Americans that are there. They could do more. And I think we're doing a good job, we and the Iraqis. That's militarily. But then on the other side, is, and the next piece is prayer, praying for our enemies and praying to God, how do we respond? But then the third thing, which is the most important, if we really want to stop ISIS, is love, mercy, and justice. Making sure that people are forgiven. They have a new chance. Family members aren't punished because their families belong to ISIS, even though they deserve to be punished. We're not going to punish you. We're going to start again. We're going to try to love each other. This is very important. This is the key for um, a new Iraq. Root out the bad guys and then provide love to the people that yeah. that got caught up in that yeah. whole and, thing. And pray for the bad guys. Some will change. Yeah. Oh, Some yeah, definitely. Change. Definitely. I've seen you know, some of those stories you see that right. they, they've you know, they saw a dream or vision, and mm -hmm. then they're like, you know, I'm done. And so f finally, to, to you know, end this on a, you know, I, you're a military guy, humanitarian, and uh, knowledgeable Bible guy. I want I want to know, uh, throw some Bible characters out, or maybe throw an MOS on, you know, what you think they would be doing now if they were in the military. I know it's kind of a funny segue, but... Uh, First one, Jesus. If he's in the military? Yeah. He's the commander. I like it. I like it. And then uh, what about, let's see, Noah. Noah? 
He's the quartermaster corps guy. He's got to organize everything and make it all fit on the ship and move it out and make sure there's, this case, two by two. <laughs> nice. Uh, I was thinking on the drive over, so I was thinking about this question. Adam, I had him as a private because he had kind of... definitely a private. Had no clue. He's definitely a private. <laughs> Loving life and just doing whatever comes next. Had the beauty on his side and yep. got him in trouble. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then, uh, all right, one more. Let's see here. Uh, well, Actually, let's do two more. How about uh, how about Peter? Peter, Sergeant Major. Sergeant Major? Ah, uh, we're going to do it this way. Sir, what the heck are you talking about? You mean we're not going to do it that way? <laughs> you know, I got everybody lined up the way you want it. Now we're not going to do it that way? Okay, okay, I'll do it this way. Peter, on this rock, I build this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, Sergeant Major, don't worry. We're going to punish the bad guys. We're going to help the good guys. But right now, I'm going to be merciful to these guys. You'll see why. That's I like Jesus <laughs> to Peter. And uh, and uh, your, your namesake, David, I, I see him like hardcore. David guy. means beloved, and I thank God he loves me, just like he loves you, in spite of this foolish and wrong things I do. David, he's the field marshal, and he is uh, one with many weaknesses and appetites that get him in trouble. But he always falls on his knees and says, God, forgive me. And he fall, calls the people to forgive him, and he, he pays a lot of price for that. But he gets up and fights again and wins. Well, David, this this was an honor and pleasure to to finally meet you and and talk with you and you know talk life and talk Bible knowledge and what you're doing <laughs> out in the in the world. It, it, it's inspiring. So thanks for coming on, Nick. Thank you and God bless you, man. Yeah. So thanks for listening to the Valor Podcast. Make sure you like us on Facebook. You can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play or any podcast management app. Visit our webpage at thevalorpodcast.com. Finally, find your mission. There are many veteran organizations, nonprofits, and veterans needing your help. I promise you'll make some great friends. You might end up helping a nonprofit saving the oppressed. Thanks again and have a great week. <laughs>